We're going to, a lot of material, um, big chapter, we're lo- looking at Luke chapter 1 today. Um, and there's a lot to read, Jim wants, Jim wants me to read most of it. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, and I'll say a prayer and get it started. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just allowing us this time to study it. Lord, let this be about, uh, not about me or, or anybody else, but about you. Uh, Lord, let us glean something that we can take with us and, and that can just affect us and change our hearts, draw us closer to you, and be a good testimony for you. For it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Jim is going to um, put the lesson on online like he always does. There's a lot of material, and I'm not going to cover all that. Um, did put a lot of stuff together. Luke is a very interesting book in the fact that um, Luke has a lot of different focuses than the other gospel writers. And a couple in particular, as we're reading through here this morning, um, he likes to focus on individuals. And he likes to focus on the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in, in our lives. And so you'll see a lot of detail that the other gospel writers don't give. And it makes you feel more like, you know, these are real people. Get you in the, in, in the focus of, you know, that could have been me. You know, what would I have done? And uh, we're going to see that as we go through here today. Um, in uh, the key thought for today, God uses persons of real faith no matter what their stage of life. And in our reading, we're going to start at verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Zechariah's purpose here is to burn incense. Um, I was looking at what all was involved with this, and a lot of different uh, authors and, and writers. And David Gezik, I put it online, but he had a great explanation of the process that went here. Um, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He would never get this again. Um, many priests, there were 18 to 22,000 priests at the time of Christ. And this just was, some of them never got that chance. And so this was a great opportunity for him. Um, it, the passage that we have here tells us about where Zechariah was coming from. It shows us his heart. It shows us that he was uh, very righteous, God says, in verse 6. It says that in all the commandments and ordinances of God, blameless. He walked with God. He was obedient. That would be number two on the, on the list there. He was obedient. Um, he was also very humble. He knew, it says, this was his time in, um, uh, for the priests of, of 
the tribe of Abijah, it was their time to serve in the temple. And they drew lots as to who was actually going to do incense. And it came up his. He knew this. He knew this was a great opportunity. He'd been living his whole life, says he was well up in age. And uh, this was it. This was his one shot. And walking with God, he had to know, he had to be humbled and know exactly what an opportunity this was. In the following passages, it talks about um, his experience that he goes through while he's there in the, the holy place. Um, the holy place is a, has not only the altar of incense, the candlestick, the table of showbread. He would be the only one in here. Alone, the only light is the light of the candlestick. It's the only light in this enclosed room. And that's where we have, starting in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make a ready people, ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak. A day these things take place because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. I gave you the setting of where Zechariah is at in the temple, in the holy place. He's alone. He's walked, he's walked with God. He's, he's being obedient to everything God gives him. And then it says, and the angel Gabriel appeared next to the altar. He's just right there. He's standing over this altar. Um, it's only about three feet high. And he's doing incense to lift up the prayers of the people and, and, and the prayers for the nation of Israel. And this angel appears. And the passage says he was troubled. Me personally, I would be a little more than troubled. Um, I would probably not be using the robes I was wearing again. Um, it would startle me quite a bit. I'm imagining, it says, Gabriel says, I'm the one that stands in the presence of God. You remember the experiences of people that were in the presence of God, like Moses, and how he shined? The deceiver, it talks about the deceiver, he can make himself appear as an angel of light. 
they shine. I think in this dark place, this is my perspective, it's not in there, but all of a sudden there was this bright light, and here's this angel in this time when he, he thought it was going to be very quiet, just him and God alone, and the angel appears, and he makes a quote. He makes a quote from Malachi, a quote that every good Jew is going to know. Messiah is not only coming, but I'm sending Elijah, his precursor, the one that's going to announce that he's coming. And guess what? Zacharias, it's going to be your son. Now, all this, I mean, being a good Jew, he's probably greatly shocked. Um, he makes a little, his response, he, he makes a little um, lapse in faith, lapse in judgment, um, just this being shocked from what's going on. And his response is, who, me? Um, me and my wife, we're, we're too old. Can't be us, right? And so the angel says, you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak. And we move there to another story. It just jumps. It just stops right there. He says, you're going to be mute. until these things are fulfilled in their own time. So he doesn't know how long he's going to not be able to talk. And it jumps to another story with um, Gabriel, and he appears again. And this time to bring good news about the Messiah's birth. This time he's talking about the Messiah's birth, and starting in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for, for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Ignore the people in the front. The passage tells us about Mary, about this experience. Mary was a very humble individual, young lady. Um, talks about her, 
she refers to herself several times as maidservant, as, as a female slave, totally subjected, totally willing to do whatever. Uh, she was obedient. Um, says she left with haste to go to her cousin. Um, the angel, the, even the angel mentions that she is old, that Elizabeth is old, that's having this baby. So in the latter part, she goes and she stays for three months with her cousin Elizabeth. Um, probably knows the la latter part of this, might have some problems, might need some extra help. She goes to spend some time. She's very obedient, she's very subservient. And this is the experience. And when we get there, in verse 41, it tells us just brief, very, very briefly about that stay. It says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. God was very involved with the details of these people, individual people. There were several that I just mentioned and listed in your writings. John the Baptist, that Gabriel said he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And in case you doubted it, as soon as Mary walked in, already pregnant with the Messiah, he recognized her. John the Baptist is given testimony about the Messiah from the womb. How cool is that? Elizabeth, her also, she says she was filled with the Spirit in verse 41. She recognized when Mary came in that who she was carrying was the Messiah. And she praises God. She encourages Mary. Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit, carrying the Lord. She, after, after this event right here, she gives this beautiful poetic discourse um, listing all these Old Testament prophecies a lot of Jews would know about the Messiah. She says, this is what's going to happen. This, these are things that he's going to fulfill. There's so much to take in. But I want to keep going because I want to spend the greater part of our time at the end. Verse 57. You can read the, the poetry that she says for herself. Verse 57 starts out um, after that. It says, Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. She brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have called him. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, 
And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And you can read that whole prophecy right there. Um, in obedience to Gabriel's previous first pronouncement, they name him John. Now, I've always been amazed by this passage. This is one of the funniest passages, I think, in Scripture. This is one of the things that makes Luke write realistic and human. Because here's a guy who cannot talk. He's not deaf. And instead of asking Zacharias, what's his name going to be? They start making signs. They probably do like most of us. They're speaking louder, getting closer. Has anybody ever done that? When I went to Israel, everybody could speak, but some couldn't speak English. And I would get in their face, and I would make signs and get louder and slower, thinking that will help them speak English better, you know. Very real experience. He was doing this for nine months. Everybody's doing this to him because he can't speak. That would have been frustrating. So those are the passages we're going to read. Now I want to get to the application. What's the point of all this? Look at, through the passage, here's who God used. God used a couple who was too old. God used a woman who was unworthy. God used a woman who was insignificant. God used a man, Abraham, that was too old. God used a man, Moses, who had trouble speaking. Whatever our excuses, and we, we're good at it, I'm good at it. God can get greater glory out of that. The glory of God will be much greater the more incapable we are of doing what he's called us to do. Whatever I read. Point two, um, under the application, Luke 1, is full of those who experienced the presence of God. Here's how they responded. Gabriel, the one who stands in the presence of God continually, constantly brings good news. The only time we see him bringing words from God and giving glory to God every single time. He never said, this is, look, look at the message that I'm bringing. It was about God. Elizabeth, she recognized before the Messiah was even born that here he was in Mary's belly. And she gives glory to God. Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit, carrying Jesus, she praises God, tells about how good he is, gives him glory. Zechariah, filled with the Spirit, prophesies, tells the Messiah's coming, and what do you think he brings God? Glory. Pretty cool, huh? What are we supposed to do with that? You need to be ready. Allow God to use you. 
Uh, he wants to. He wants to use everyone here. Two, trust him. He's more than capable. He can do it. And three, tell others about his goodness, his mercy, his love, his greatness. Give him all glory. Because I know he deserves it. I wanted to finish early because I want to do a couple quick things. Um, many, many stories have gone through this room um, and people have shared testimonies about what they've gone through and what God has done. And that's why I wanted to stop a little bit early to take time for these. I know I kind of rushed through these, um, but the notes are online if you want to study a little farther. I want to take this time to give a couple people opportunities to, to share what God has done. And because uh, um, this time is not about me, it's not about Jim or Justin or the people giving the testimonies. It's all about Jesus. So I'd like to bring somebody up. And Bree Malloy is going to come up and she's going to share a testimony um, about what God's been doing.